0: Welcome to another episode of Money Study Group Online. I'm Jim Munchback. I'll be your host. I'm also a professor of personal finance at the University of Houston at the Bauer College of Business. This week's lesson is about consumerism and credit. So in this week's lesson, I'm going to uh, focus on consumerism, what it is, how it works, and why it's the number one enemy of your future, your family, and your financial plan. Next, we'll jump into... The assignment for this week which is to create in your financial plan at Muddy's money, at moneystudygroup.com to create in your financial plan three new pieces of information actually more than that we'll cover it all in this week's Zoom meeting so here it is it's about an hour long so feel free to hit the fast forward button if you're listening in iTunes the way I like to listen in the podcast app you can set the time how uh, you know the speed and uh, you can certainly listen to me at a much faster speed than I actually talk. So enjoy this episode. Uh, don't forget, if you haven't enrolled, go to moneystudygroup.com. You're welcome to enroll. It uh, you can participate in the course online. You won't get the assignments in Blackboard. So if you're a student at the University of Houston, you know what to do. Check your assignment in Blackboard, and I'll see you next week right here at the University of Houston uh, money study group online thanks for listening don't forget we could sure use a five-star review give me a give me a little indication what you'd like a little more of uh, what you might need help on just leave a comment and I'll I'll give you a shout-out next time we review the reviews. So thanks for just getting this show started. Um, for students who took the course in the past, this is just one more way you can um, kind of stay refreshed and review the content that you studied in Money Study Group. So thanks for listening. I'll see you next time. And, oh, yeah, don't forget, if you go to moneystudygroup.com, click on the little YouTube, uh, there's a YouTube icon at the top right of the page. And that's where you will be able to see the playlist for this semester and stay up to date on the videos that go with this podcast. So if you want to see my lips moving, go to moneystudygroup.com, click on the little YouTube icon at the top right, and that'll take you right to the current playlist on YouTube. Thanks again and have a great day. okay we're going live welcome to another uh, live streaming episode of money study group it is tuesday 10 a.m today is what is today the 22nd of june happy birthday carissa my daughter is turning 25 no i don't i can't i don't i'm not even sure how old she's turning not 25 anyway she's a little older than that welcome everybody um i know you can hear me gunner anybody else hear me Everybody's getting signed in. Uh, let me make sure everyone is admitted. We'll give everybody who's joining a minute or two late, we'll give it till five minutes after to get started. We're going to talk about consumerism today what it is, how it works, and why it's the number one enemy of your future your family, and your financial plan. So I'm going to tell you some stories today, or a story anyway, about a previous, well, a a student. He wasn't a student in our course, but he was a student. And uh, I'll share his story today to set the table uh, as we get into the topic of consumerism. All right, good morning, Jenny and Ray and everyone else so we've got a couple of minutes before we actually start and as usual i want to make sure that those of you who are here if you have any questions feel free to pop those into the chat and i will answer those as we go Um, sorry i'm still congested and kind of goofed up my grandson caleb went to the doctor again yesterday he came back all bouncing and happy as if he's it's, that's the way he's been. He's been going back and forth from feeling really nasty to just being a n- normal uh, little three-year-old. So, And I'm doing the same thing. I go from being happy and dancing to feeling pretty nasty. It's, I think it's a cold, but anyway, sorry you have to put up with it again. I'm working on it, taking every kind of over-the-counter medicine I can find. All right, I don't see any questions, just good morning, good morning, good morning. Good morning back to you. It is. We had a little storm last night, apparently. Um, I live in Friendswood, and we got a little bit of it. Uh, so I got a few emails this morning from students who were unable to connect, uh, wanted to submit their assignments, and apparently were not able to do that. So hopefully this morning things cleared up sufficiently and those students were able to jar themselves from a very sound sleep and submit the assignments which were due by 10 a.m. something uh, I noticed this week by the way in terms of assignments being turned in um, we offer extra points if you turn your assignment in by Friday at 3 p.m. many of you took advantage of that Uh, remarkable opportunity and I appreciate that and I hope you do too. You should have gotten some extra points. You did get some extra points unless you were really missing something in your assignment in which case you got a reply saying hey go ahead and do this update that and uh, anyway so turning your assignments in early has lots of benefits. One benefit is You don't get stuck the night before the assignment is due if there happens to be an electrical storm. And you know, one of the reasons this policy is in place, one of the reasons that I provide extra points for turning your assignments in early is because I know that the tendency is for most students, not all students, but most students wait until the last minute. The average student waits until the assignment is due And so if all of your assignments are due on the same day, then you're doing all of your assignments at the same time. And so I'm trying to give you some incentive to pay a little more attention and uh, provide a little bit more of your mental capacity uh, capital to these assignments just so that... You know, you have a little extra time to think about them and experience a few of the principles and lessons we're trying to teach in personal finance. So I'll do whatever I can to uh, try to manipulate you into learning as much as you can about personal finance uh, during our short time together. We have so much to cover and so little time to do it. And it is now 10.05, so uh, everyone who is going to be admitted to this zoom meeting has been admitted everyone else gets to watch either in the live stream on Facebook or YouTube which should be streaming now so uh, leave your comments below let us know you're here you're watching and, um, and yeah j- that I read all those comments by the way I don't always reply but I I do read them and I appreciate them so if you're watching on Facebook welcome if you're in YouTube Welcome. If you're watching later, my future welcome to you goes out now. So, we are going to talk about consumerism, um, and I want to I want to highlight a little bit about the assignment that two assignments that you will have this week. But mostly, you're just going to uh, just do a little bit of reading and learning and thinking about consumerism. We live in a culture of consumerism, and I don't know what that means to you. I very curious to know what do you think of the idea of consumerism? Um, what what do you think it is? How do you think it works? When I was in college <coughs> um, it was very different. You know, that was like a hundred years ago and we didn't have the internet and I didn't have a credit card in college, I didn't have a debit card. Um, But I did have an ATM, you know, one of those cards that you could stick into a bank machine and get cash out. It turns out that was a very dangerous thing. I got married while I was in college, and one of the most difficult things in our relationship was when I would go to the cash machine and I would take out cash, the cash machine. It was called an ATM, automatic teller machine, I think I don't even remember what for sure what ATM stands for but uh, my wife at the time would balance our checking account and uh, so I don't know if you ever do that balance your checking account what I found when I started teaching this course many years ago is I assumed that one of the things I would teach students is how to balance their checking account and how to stay current and not get nsf that 's not sufficient funds, fees and uh, charges, but what I found out in the very first day of teaching <laughs> as I you know started talking to students they didn 't even like nobody balanced their checking account, nobody had a checkbook, nobody wrote checks. It was new to me because that 's what I grew up with, and that 's the way it has been and I still occasionally write checks mostly now my checks are digital electronic they're transmitted without me even seeing them Um, but anyway the times have changed and so obviously the uh the way that a lot of students today probably you keep track of the uh, uh... balance in your checking account as you open an app and you look at it and you see how much money is in there and sometimes many of you will go and look and see what transactions have hit your bank account well in the old days try to try to put yourself back into the old days with me for a minute because back in the old days when i was where you are and i was married Uh, my wife would have to do that but she did it with a piece of paper instead of opening an app on her phone to see what the balance was instantly that wasn't available we didn't have the internet we didn't have any kind of mobile phones we had phones with wires um, and so but it was very important part of our financial uh, habits and financial routine if you will to balance the checkbook because we had all these checks going out that we actually wrote put a stamp on them stuck them in the mail and they got sent out so i know that sounds very old school it was but at the time it was the way things were done and so we didn't have any credit cards at the time my wife had a credit card but it was from was one that her dad gave her and her dad passed uh, just before i met her so she had this credit card from home And she never used it. She wanted to prove to her parents and uh, her dad had passed, but her dad really trusted her and she wanted to prove to him that she could get along without using his credit card. But it was there as an emergency. So when we got married, we're, we're writing all these checks. My wife mainly pays the bills. She writes the checks, and I make the money. And then I would happen to stop by the bank and go to the ATM and take out $100 like this, little, like this young man is holding there. And, uh, so I would take out cash. Now imagine if you are sitting at home in the apartment, or we lived in a mobile home at the time, and you're balancing the checkbook and everything's good this check this check cleared this bill got paid that bill got paid so so far everything's working out according to your budget you know how much money you have to spend you know how much money you have coming in pretty pretty close every week Jim is going to make this much money. Every week I'm going to make this much money. My wife's name is Connie. So Connie would know, here's what my check is going to be. Here's what Jim's check is going to be. And here's our rent. Here's our water bill. Here's our electric bill. Here's how much we spent at the grocery store. This is how much we spent eating out at Sip and Flip, which was our favorite little hamburger joint. And so by the end of writing all those checks she's keeping track of it in the checkbook watching the balance go down 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 knowing that until we get paid we really have no money but then she gets the statement from the bank and she's reconciling her bank statement with the ledger she kept in the checkbook and so while she's doing that she's looking at this statement and she sees on this statement from the bank that Jim went to the bank or went somewhere and took his little card out and stuck his card into a machine and pulled out some cash money. And Jim didn't tell Connie that he did that. Maybe it was $100, maybe it was $50, maybe it was $200. Maybe Jim decided to buy a new toy because Jim liked to buy toys. And Jim would make pretty good money and felt like he deserved to have these toys. And so as a new married couple trying to figure out how is life going to work, one of the biggest conflicts of all entered our marriage, and that was the conflict of financial uh, planning and budgeting. And the challenge was with us, I think very similar to the same challenge everyone faces when it comes to managing money is our needs, wants, and wishes can be different and uh, my priorities were very selfish and very short-sighted and my ability to be considerate of my wife and her work in the checkbook in the financial department was very limited and so we were very young i was very stupid um, and that hasn't changed much over the years but the Thing that has changed is, well, lots of things have changed, but one of the major things that have changed is the speed in which you can be up to date on your financial situation back then though it was a checkbook and this piece of paper and believe me we got in lots of um, difficult conversations that I don't have time to share but they make pretty interesting stories and so when we think about our marriage in the beginning it's this story that I'm about to tell you it reminds me a lot of us uh, so the checkbook though the checkbook and the balancing of the checkbook is a it's a good framework for the same thing you're going to have to do this week because even though you have instant access to where your money is you still have this this kind of idea of creating a budget creating a template of how much money is coming in and how much money is going out and that is a very important basic essential element of your financial plan today tomorrow 20 years from now and the better you get at that the the more success you will have in uh, growing and building wealth so uh, today we're going to talk about just consumerism I want you to start to think about and really over this week as you do your homework assignment I want you to think about the cost of consumerism so consumerism to me it's it's part of our culture it was part of our culture back when I was in college and when my dad uh, was in high school every kid wants stuff you know you grow up wanting stuff in America we want stuff for Christmas for our birthday and it's like today more than ever it seems we have this culture that is so driven by stuff and having more stuff. And a lot of times that stuff is just uh, not really important. It's not really going to last, but it's stuff that we really want. And if we have money, we buy it. And we, it's so much easier in our culture of consumerism to believe the messages that we hear constantly. It used to be commercials. But now it's like everybody you watch on YouTube, everybody I listen to, podcasts and everyone else, they always want to tell me as they're in the middle of their story, oh, but first let me tell you about this great ABC product. And you just can't avoid it. Everybody is trying to sell you something. And as if you need to be sold stuff because we typically already want uh, stuff. We see stuff, we want stuff, we like stuff, and ah, that's how most of us are. So if you're fortunate enough, like I am, to be uh, partnered with someone in life, my wife is very frugal, but uh, consumerism is still one of those things that has challenged our marriage and our family, and so it's something that you're going to have to deal with. And when you stop to think about... Consuming, the cost of consuming, the cost of just constantly having the desire to buy something, if you could put a number on that, if you could actually isolate the cost of consumerism, you would find that it is the most, the, the biggest thing that, that you face in terms of financial planning. So when I was in college, I read this book called The Millionaire Next Door. And it was a great book, um, but it was. it it was the first time in my life the message was really about these people these people who were called millionaires who lived next door but they didn't look like millionaires you would never know they were millionaires you would never know that they were uh, wealthy because they didn't live like they were wealthy The, the basic idea of the millionaire next door is that to become a millionaire you have to basically live like you're not a millionaire like just live in a frugal way and that's what these people that were highlighted in this book the millionaire next door that's what they did that was their story the researchers uh Danko and I can't remember the other guy I should know but who the research there were two researchers two co-authors and they just did research about these people who were millionaires who lived next door that you would never know were millionaires it's a great book and it made me realize that Oh, that makes all the sense in the world. Is If I want to build wealth, I can't go buy everything new that I want. Everything that I want, I can't buy. And they highlighted the reality that the cost of consuming, just the taxes that you pay on all the stuff that you buy and the maintenance. And I could tell you story after story about my friends and my community and myself of just the cost so for example I just think about my driveway I think if I think about my house and my property and all the vehicles I have so not just my driveway but my house I did a little video with my grandson this week we went to Jellystone Park um, and it's a beautiful place in Kerrville Texas and I took his he got this little I gave him this little electronic motorcycle and so I made a great video of him drive learning how to drive it up and down hills and rocks and and um so he's three, he's he just barely learning how to drive this thing and it's a lot of fun watching him learn. But that's a vehicle and so I, I bought that for Caleb, but I started looking around the house at all the wheels that we have just in our house. Bike from bikes and tricycles up to, you know, a riding lawnmower, a John Deere riding lawnmower, a Goldwing motorcycle. There's two Lexus vehicles in our driveway, and then there's this big, thirty-foot Winnebago that I have a cover for in our driveway. So that's a lot of stuff when you think about tires, maintenance, batteries, oil changes, insurance. Um, there's so the list goes on and on just for the stuff that has wheels on it. So. Uh, I, and I, I have a lot of friends who have boats, and they have, uh, you know, campers, RVs, and those campers and RVs aren't stored at their house. They pay storage on them. So just start to think about all of the costs that are associated with all of the things that you buy that you probably maybe don't need, like most of a lot of the things we have we don't really need. But we sure do, you know, we enjoy some of them, and some of them just end up junk. The point is, being a consumer is expensive. So, when I started teaching this course, (coughs) I want to uh, tell you a story about, oh, hold on, I've got somebody trying to enter, and they keep popping up. So, Anthony, you're late. The only reason I'm letting you in is because you keep popping up on my screen. So when i started teaching this course i was all excited about teaching personal finance and one of the most important lessons i wanted to teach was the law the the law three laws of personal finance and the first law is the law of spending and saving spend less than you earn so that you can save more for what matters most and i hadn't even taught the class yet and i was standing in line at this firestone and i met this guy named billy billy had this truck F-150 pickup truck and we got to talking and I got to know him a little bit and so this is Billy and Sally's story. Billy walked into Firestone that day because he needed to buy some tires for this really cool truck. I mean it was was an F-150. I don't know what you know about an F-150 but I'm I'm a car guy. I I paid for my college by becoming a master mechanic and I worked as a mechanic to pay for my college and that was um, kind of a great way to pay for college and i enjoyed my work i worked hard i went to school full-time and i worked full-time and i got married and had a, a child so and all in college so it was a very <laughs> crazy full busy life but um what when i met billy he, st- he was living with his folks and he was going uh, he was working at a marathon plant he would graduated from San Jack with a technical degree and he was working at a marathon plant which I had worked in at one time so we had something in common plus he had this f-150 he was pretty proud of it he bought it from his uncle got a really good deal and needed some tires he had this coupon to buy tires so that's what he was doing at firestone and he he's standing there and we're getting to know each other just chatting and then sally the sales lady walks up and sally um, really caught both of our attention because she was well she was she was um, a very professional salesperson, and she started talking to Billy about what he needed his truck and um, she she you know she knew that he had this coupon to buy these tires that were on sale, but she wanted him just to think about the possibility of maybe doing something with the truck that would transform the way it looked. And what I saw happen right in front of my eyes was consumerism started to play in because Billy was like, he was motivated to listen to Sally for reasons that went way beyond the tires on his truck, if you know what I mean. And so she was talking to him about things that had nothing to do with fuel efficiency or safety or performance or (laughs) any of the things that uh, just a really good old-fashioned solid tire would do to your pickup truck it was more about how are you going to look in that pickup truck and how is this going to make you feel and she really played all that really well to the point where billy who came in to buy four tires for his f-150 pickup truck how how much do you think it would cost to buy four tires for an f-150 pickup truck i'm just going to give you a minute to see if anybody's got any any ideas now this was gosh more than 10 years ago but tires are tires right how much do you think even then or now doesn't matter if you had an f-150 pickup truck how much would a tire cost anybody got any idea are you guys all watching facebook oh 600 ray thank you 600 that's so that's like 150 bucks per tire that's a good guess um, it's actually kind of low, but let's say that he had a coupon and they were on sale. Six hundred would be a really good price. So I paid eight hundred dollars for my Lexus, much smaller tire. Okay, and by the time I paid for the balancing and the new stems, you know the the stem that and and the um, road hazard. What else is there? there's just the the fee to get rid of the tire. Once you put all that onto the bill it was over 800 bucks so 600 bucks for a ford f-150 much bigger tires probably pretty on the low side anyone else have a guess uh ray says 600 i'm I'm just for the tires now nobody's guessing 250 (laughs) a evan 250 for four tires dude come on is that you paid 1200 for four tires on your tacoma anthony that's A lot lot closer to what i would guess so and that was a few months ago so evan look around buddy if you can buy four tires for 250 dollars you are driving a tonka truck that means a toy truck probably like what caleb may be driving so 1200 bucks is pretty close but what happened is because billy was uh listening to sally sally was a professional salesperson who had all of the skills of a professional salesperson, in addition to the, uh, well, let's just say that Billy noticed she was quite attractive. And so she had this, this way with Billy that was just fun to watch. Um, So not only did Billy get, he didn't go there to buy tires and rims, but that's what Sally suggested. Look at these rims. So now, if you think about the whole package, it's not just the tires, it's not just the rims, but Sally had Billy, you know, understand that you really need to get an alignment on your vehicle so that those tires will last, which is right. That's true. That's a very good point. As a master mechanic, I would absolutely suggest that you have your front end, your chassis, all of the parts on your vehicle you need to have them checked to make sure that everything works that, so that it's not loose so the tires don't wear out so by the time that was all said and done how much do you think Billy was actually spending on those four tires the repairs that he needed the lifetime alignment and the rims that made his truck look fantastic how much do you think Billy would have spent on that kind of package all of it all together so Anthony if you spent 1200 bucks so yeah close to four grand it was actually closer to five grand but it was a big chunk of money it was kind of interesting to watch and again remember I was getting ready to teach this course on personal finance and so I had this little interaction with this young man and i'm thinking about what is the challenge here what is it that i can do to teach you what can i teach you that will make a difference that will move the needle for you and i have all this information because i'm a certified financial planner and i could go really deep in all the personal finance stuff that you could ever want to learn but the truth is none of that none of that really matters if you don't understand the number one challenge in your life is this challenge of living in a culture of consumerism and the fact that you like me, like Billy, like everyone around us we are all susceptible to being a consumer someone who just needs more stuff more and more stuff and if we don't get a handle on that disease of consumerism if we don't get a handle on that then we're going to be very limited in terms of the success we're going to have managing our money especially if we have a goal like becoming a millionaire by the time you're 50. If that's your goal or any goal like that will be impacted to the extent that you don't learn to understand and recognize and be aware of this thing called consumerism and how it, it will cause you to make decisions in the short term that are really not going to help you in the long term. That's true about your future. It's true about your family. If you decide now or in the future that you want to, uh, you want to do like I did and and have a family and have a marriage, have a significant other person in your life where you share the chore of managing money. Together, It's so much easier to do together. Uh, you can do twice as much if you do it together, but it takes a whole lot of commitment, and this thing called consumerism becomes the enemy of your relationship because you both have different needs, wants, and wishes. And so today's lesson, this week's lesson, is really designed to help you focus on this issue of consumerism and how it affects you and how you interact, how your choices and your behavior is driven by this culture of consumerism that we live in that invades every part of our life. So Billy and Sally ended up, Getting Together, and their story is very interesting, and I would love to tell you. In fact, when we're together in a classroom, it's so much fun to tell this story because I ask a lot of questions, and I make sure everyone's answering questions, and that's really hard to do in an online setting, so you don't get the story the same. Uh, But suffice it to say, part of the story of Billy and Sally in this one transaction it sets the table for the, the assignment that you will do next called the credit crush assignment. And so in this assignment, Billy, I mean in this transaction rather, Billy spends nearly $5,000. That's on one credit card. That's one transaction, but it doesn't stop there. Billy and Sally decide that it makes sense for Billy to move out of his mom and dad's house and to get an apartment so that Sally can move in with him, and they become an item. They eventually get married, and they start to have kids. But early on, what happened is Sally and Billy just met, and Sally helped billy understand how much better he would look if he had better wheels under that truck and it was an expensive transaction but the whole idea was based on the fact that sally convinced billy that if he bought those tires today he would have six months same as cash do you know what that means if you go into a store and you make a commitment to buy something that you don't have the money to buy you can use this thing called credit and so that was part of the deal was billy could use credit and sally helped him understand you would not have to pay any payments for six months so you could just you know within six months you could pay this off and you'll have no no interest no payments nothing. and billy was making good money living with his folks and that was actually doable it was actually something he could do and that's what he convinced himself he would do is to pay it off in six months with no interest Uh, but yeah anthony says if i don't pay it's more than twice the original price it's more than more than more than twice the original price and if and if we were in class i would show you the math but i'm not going to do that today i'm going to let you see it yourself when you do your homework assignment when you go into your financial planning portal And you're going to have to do this credit crush assignment, and I'll show you how to do it. But you're going to get to play with the numbers. And you're not going to play with Billy's numbers. You're going to play with your own numbers. But I'm going to set it up, help you set it up, so that you can see that, like Anthony said in our chat, that if he didn't pay it in six months, he's going to pay more than double. Well, it's significantly, exponentially more than double. And you'll see that in your own financial plan if you decide to take the route most traveled. If you do what most people do, you you buy the thing and you think you're going to pay it off in six months, but you don't. You think you're going to have a low interest rate, but you miss a payment and the interest rate goes up and it keeps going up. And your payment that you want to make, the minimum, because it's so low, that minimum doesn't really go up that much, and you keep making that minimum payment, and your interest just keeps growing and growing and compounding and growing. And that's how they get their money in your pocket. That's how the credit industry and consumerism work together, so that the things that you think you really have to have that you don't have the money for, you can use a credit card, and you can pay A lot more than twice what it's worth and that's what Billy did in this scenario (coughs) and so again if we were in class I would be walking through this the actual numbers of his payments and showing you how they grow and what usually happens at this point in the lesson if we were in class together is you start to see how much it costs to use credit to be a consumer to buy things that you don't really have the money for. And when you start to see how it works, how they get your money, and how much it costs to use credit, you start to become a little bit angry. And that's a good thing because it's like a wake-up call, which is the whole point of this week's lesson. To wake you up and help you see the immense cost of consumerism when you buy things that you can't really afford and you put them on credit because it's so easy to do and you fail to recognize because you're not paying attention to the numbers how much that's costing you, how much that's stealing from your future, how much that's limiting your options and your choices for down the road and how much it's just destroying your financial plan in, in terms of the goals that you have for yourself for the future. And so that's the whole point of this week's lesson. The focus is consumerism and the, the collateral is the credit card, the ability to buy things that you don't have the money to buy because the credit industry loves to take your money And they love to use your inability to control your own impulses to buy stuff, which, trust me, I get that. I like stuff. And the cost is incredible, especially if you're using credit. Even if you're not using credit, though, just like the example I gave you about my driveway and my house and all the wheels, all the things that have wheels in my On my one property at 1402 Sunset, if you take the cost of all of that, including the taxes, the maintenance, the insurance, it's just crazy how much it costs to have that stuff, just to, to have that stuff. That doesn't even take into account the house, the insurance, the taxes. Yeah, I need a roof over my house. But the point is, every time I buy something else, there's an added cost. Because consumption, consuming, is expensive. So the point is, just like in the millionaires next door, if you learn to live on less, you'll find that you have so much more the future, which just means you can have more peace in your life, more options, more choices, more flexibility, less stress, less anxiety, less pain from the pressure of not having enough to do the things you have to do. So that's the whole point of this week's lesson. So Anthony says, credit cards use cash back to get you to spend more money. They got me like that with a Chase Freedom card so he wants anthony's asking can i explain how they use cash back in points to get us to spend more yeah i can give a give it a try so i use (coughs) i use this is one of my favorite cards i'm not going to show you the number but it's it pays two percent so it pays me to i spend like this is Maybe too much information, but I spend like a hundred thousand dollars a year on this card. I literally do, and they pay two percent. So what's two percent of a hundred thousand dollars? That's two thousand um, dollars, and that's that's why I use this card. Now I gave up another card that I really, really liked. It was a, it was a, a card that paid me not cash back, but it gave me points for buying airplane tickets it was a southwest rewards card and i really liked it Um, and i got free travel and it was cool i paid for all my travel that way i even got to the point with that card where if i spent enough money on that card and bought enough things they would offer these things like if i would use their card for rental cars for air travel for hotels if I would use their card then I would get this companion pass which means every time I bought an airplane ticket I would get another one free for my wife whoa that that was so cool now that would be a really good deal if my wife traveled and liked to travel but I traveled a lot more than my wife and she didn't you know she couldn't travel because she was a teacher so the point is I spent a lot of extra money one year and got her the companion pass and we went on like two trips and it wasn't a good investment you know but it was a good excuse for me to spend a lot of money that's just one story one example for me but there you know, literally millions of stories out there of, hey, if you'll spend this and go on this vacation, you'll get these extra points. You'll get a 20% discount. It's crazy. It reminds me of a story I heard when I was a kid about this woman in New York City who was just, she was such a really frugal great shopper like this woman knew how to save money she was a super expert shopper at saving money and she it was a cartoon and it was a picture of this woman who was really yelling at a taxi cab driver who just passed her she needed a taxi to go you know two miles in new york i don't know where she was going but she was going to a store that had a 20 percent off sale on a brassiere so the moral of the story was she was going to save like a buck 50 on a new brazier. She's going to pay 12 bucks on a tax ride back in 1970. <laughs> anyway, I remember that when I was a little kid, and it just made a lot of sense to me that what you're saying, Anthony, is the, they use these tricks, these marketing tricks, to give you something so that you'll spend more money but at the end of the day it's kind of like consumption being a consumer it's a very expensive game and just like this woman who's standing there waiting for a taxi cab so she can pay what would the taxi cab be today i mean we'd use uber today but it was a taxi cab which is a lot more expensive in new york city to go you know a mile or two away to buy something that was on sale and she's going to save a few dollars anyway so yeah that's the game and if you stop and think and which is this is what i want you to do i want you to stop and think and look around and start to see all of the ways that consumerism is is impacting and influencing your life your choices and your finances especially so just start to learn that start to be aware of that because if you don't if you fail to recognize that you are a consumer you have the disease you can't avoid it we all do and it is a disease it's a disease especially because we don't see it we're not aware of it we think we are aware of it but it really requires diligence for us to start to push back on consumerism and if you make that your lifestyle choice instead of your lifestyle choice being the normal lifestyle choice in America where you get to have everything you deserve to have, everything you want to have, if you choose that alternative lifestyle and push back on consumerism, you'll find that the road ahead for you in terms of financial freedom is so much more uh, easy to attain it really is, and so my hope for you in this lesson in this week is that you pay attention to that, and then I'm going to show you the nuts and bolts and the reality of how it works in a real financial plan when you start to take these these uh, purchases, these credit accounts, and you start to attack them with a real sense of purpose and with a really effective strategy. So that's what you're going to learn in the Credit Crush assignment portion. You have two assignments again this week. One is just to learn a little bit about consumerism and take a quiz and tell me what you learned. The next one though is to do some work in your financial plan so that you build these three extra uh, components in your financial plan you're going to assume. Let's walk through that real quick. <coughs> so you're going to have to do some research. This has been part of your uh Part of the game plan all along, but I want you to research for your financial future. I want you to assume that you're going to graduate and get a job. You need to have a pretty good idea what kind of income you would have if you get the job that you want to get after college. So, you've all done a great job answering the question if we fast forward the clock five years. What kind of progress would you need to see in your life to feel, well, what would need to happen in your life for you to feel really good about your progress? And a lot of you have said you'd you'd have a good job. You'd have, you know, you'd be starting to buy a house. You'd have a car. You'd have transportation, living, you know, a roof over your head and, and a job. That's a great start so now I want you to imagine yourself into the future after you graduated and start to put some numbers to it in your financial plan which starts with how much are you gonna be making what kind of income do you think you're going to have based on the degree that you're going that you're in now at the University of Houston so that's number one after you graduate what kind of income will you have In one of the videos in your money study group, I make the misstatement, I say after you retire. But I'm not talking about after you retire, I'm talking about after you graduate. What kind of income will you have after you graduate? You need to know that number. Again, it's based on your major, it's based on the industry that you've chosen, Um, what's the and then another question you're gonna have to answer is what's the percentage of your income spent on housing costs so that's just a general number but I want you to do some thinking what is a percentage of your income that should be allocated to buying or either paying rent or buying a house you need to figure that out so you're going to do some research this week and what are the basic categories needed in every household budget Uh, and what are the average costs for each of those categories so starting with housing obviously that's the one you're going to do a little research on to figure out what is the normal percentage of your income that should go to housing you could google that in just a couple minutes but i want you to not just google it, I want you to think about it, I want you to kind of put yourself into a situation where you're actually creating a workable effective budget based on what's real in the world you're going to live in after you graduate. So same with utilities, clothes, taxes, your phone, I don't know how much you pay for your phone but I'm assuming that about half of you don't pay for your phone, your parents do. Believe me, I know about parents paying for things. But, but your phone cost, your internet, your cable, all of those costs are part of your budget, and you need to think about what they're going to be. If you don't know what they are, if you don't know how much cable costs, if you don't know how much internet costs or rent or electric or water or taxes or any of those things, that's okay. You have a great resor- resource that's your parents' it's the people who are actually paying those costs right now in the house that you're living in and if you're living in your parents house and they're not charging you rent that doesn't mean it's free it means they're not charging you for it they're paying it and your job this week is to do a little research and figure out what is the rent how much is the electric bill what is the wa- how much does the water bill cost what is internet cost where do we get you know where do we get internet what about cable what about the phone All of these things are going to be your responsibility, and I want you this week to do a little research to figure out what is the cost for you to live. Even if you're not paying it, that's okay. You still need to have a budget in your financial plan that shows and reflects what it will cost you to live. So that's that. And then we're going to take that and turn it into. you know once you build that into your financial plan and I'll show you how to do that I'll do a little tutorial in money study group but once you do that I want you to go in and add three more pieces of data to your financial plan one you're going to buy your dream house two you're going to buy that car you always wanted the, you know and you don't I, I'm not telling you to go buy the Lamborghini like if I could drive one car for 1 hour <laughs> it would be the Lambo but I certainly wouldn't even consider buying the Lambo and I don't want you to go put that into your financial plan okay even though the Lambo or the Tesla or whatever might be your ideal fun cool car if you had all the money in the world but I want you to think about your life your vision your values your purpose what are your goals and what vehicle would you put into your life that makes sense And then tell me why you chose that vehicle. And then plug it into your financial plan. So that's number two. Number three is just go out and spend some money. This is fake money on a credit card like Billy did on his truck tires. Come up with your own shopping list, whatever it is. Maybe it's furniture for the house, whatever. Come up with an amount. And then come up with a credit card that this is pretend, uh, your pretend credit card expenses you know to either start out your new household or whatever it is you want to do just be creative but come up with an expense you know five to ten thousand dollars figure out what kind of interest are you gonna have to pay on that credit card and you're gonna have to do a little research and you're gonna plug that into your financial plan and then I'm going to show you how to crush that credit, how to manage that credit, what are the best strategies you can apply, and I'm going to show you how they work, and you're going to be able to see if you pay attention, if you want to understand how credit works, the financial planning software that you're going to be using to build your financial plan will show you, oh, that's exactly how it works, and how you can use better strategies to produce better results in terms of managing that debt so it's i'm going to make that very easy for you but you have to do the work to build the plan and to understand what we're trying to do in this assignment we're trying to create a plan that has some realistic numbers in it including a house a car and some credit card debt and those need to be realistic and then you have to have a, a realistic budget based on your life after you graduate based on the income that you would expect to have after you graduate. So once we put all those things into the financial plan, into your financial plan, you start to have a realistic and a a more complete model of your financial life in the future. And then you get to see how you might take some different strategies and apply those strategies to produce better results. So that's what we're going to do this week in your assignments. And that's what my hope is, that that you walk away from this week with a whole lot more knowledge and experience in financial planning than you came into the week with. Now that may sound like a ton of work, it's really not going to take you that much time to do this. And if you're feeling a little stressed or a little anxious, just take one step at a time. <clears throat> you know, watch the videos and then go it will take you just minutes to do this in your financial plan. And if you if you don't get it, if you have questions, just pay attention to the comments. There'll be students in GroupMe sharing what they learned and I'll do some if if necessary, I'll do another tutorial video. But there's plenty of tutorial videos already available for you to watch for this assignment. It's a great assignment. It's really an eye-opening assignment. So I'm looking at the chat to see if there are any questions, any comments, anything that I need to address before we end this meeting. But it's been uh all about consumerism and credit. And this week's assignments will be focused on consumerism and and becoming more aware of what it means to be a consumer in a culture of consumerism and and also dealing with credit, better strategies to deal with credit. So you're going to create some credit in your financial plan and then you're going to attack that credit with some better strategies. So any questions? I don't see any questions. Which is my cue to go blow my nose and I'll see you guys soon. I hope you have a great day, a great week, and I'll be grading the assignments that came in this morning. Final reminder, if you haven't already got the, uh, the news that you get extra points for turning your assignment in early, Friday at 3 p.m., please do that for yourself and for me. I appreciate it. Thanks, Ray. Take care. Gunner, it looked like you might have wanted to say something. Did I miss it? What was that? Just thank you. You bet. You bet, man. Take care. Good. Good. Good hearing you. I didn't get to see you, but good hearing you. Take care. All right. I'm going to end it right there.